Dice Drive. Before starting today's special episode, I just wanted to let you know that I've released a free PDF guide called Seven Simple Ways to Raise Your Vibrations, Shift Your Energy, and Feel Better Immediately. So if you're looking for surefire ways to immediately reduce stress and induce relaxation, then this free PDF guide is for you. Go to my7chakras.com forward slash feel better now. Link is also in the show notes. The link is my seven is a word, my seven chakras.com forward slash feel better now. My seven chakras episode 360. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy, positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head for thousands of years. This ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we help you experience more healing, more awakening, and more abundance. In today's episode, we talk about some of our favorite topics, such as energy medicine, kundalini, and the chakras. So stay till the very end, because I've got some very unexpected but exciting questions lined up for our guest. But before diving in, I'd like to remind you that we've just launched our premier energy mentorship experience called the Action Tribe Energy Circle. You'll find the links in the show notes. If you want to master your energies, raise your vibrations and learn from some of the most experienced mentors and healers and shamans and mystics out there, then you will absolutely enjoy learning about the Action Tribe Energy Circle. The link you need is my7chakras.com forward slash join us. That's my seven is a word, my7chakras.com forward slash join us. All right, so let's bring on our special guest for today, Marie Manusheri. So Marie is a nationally known energy intuitive marie bridges conventional medicine and holistic healing to help people release pain heal their wounds and emerge into consciousness emerge into expanded consciousness her energy medicine practice began 12 years ago when she was working as an oncology nurse and discovered the energetic relationship between health and disease so marie are you ready to inspire yes i would love to thank you for asking me and um giving me this opportunity to offer um, perhaps some you know information that could be helpful to the people that you care so much about. Wonderful. Yeah, this is going to be super exciting. So we usually begin our show with a dose of inspiration. So what is that inspirational quote on your mind right now? And how do you apply it in your day-to-day life? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, the quote, it's actually one of mine. <laughs> um, I believe that everyone is more magnificent than they could possibly imagine. And uh, of course, that helps me tremendously in my practice, especially if someone's coming to have a session and they have a health issue, you know, and when I approach a body, regardless of what may be going on with it or not, I always think of it as whole and healthy and magnificent and, and extraordinary, even if there isn't a health issue going on, of course. And so being in that vibration and that frequency of the oneness of our true identity really, I believe, sets the the um, 
the frequency at the highest level possible so that individual can emerge into their own expanded consciousness. So it's something that I utilize constantly in my awareness. Great. I love that quote. Action Tribe, you are more magnificent than you can imagine. So Murray, talk to us about how did it all begin for you? Where did you grow up as a kid? Yeah, well, I'm from the Seattle area. And that's where I'm recording from right now. So I'm born and raised here. And I was raised very holistically. So I, I did it differently than most people. A lot of people in the, you know, kind of healing world, not all of them kind of start conventionally and move towards more of a holistic approach. I was raised kind of by hippies. And my mother would never even take us to a doctor unless we absolutely had to go to a physician for like, we fractured a bone or needed a, a vaccine to get into school. Um, so we saw Chinese herbal medicine doctors and um, acupuncturists and chiropractors um, all of my childhood. And then I had an unusual experience when I was pregnant with my first child. I was living in a small town in Oregon and the OBGYN, he didn't have a phlebotomist in his small practice. So I had to actually go to the big hospital in this very small town. It was a teaching hospital. And um, I was nervous the night before because I was raised to avoid modern medicine to the best of my ability. And I, I just remember being very apprehensive as I walked through the hospital doors. But I had this incredible joy that surged through my body. I mean, it was unmistakable. It, it was very spontaneous. It caught me off guard and by surprise. And that joy stayed with me the entire time I was in their facility. And everything I looked at was glowing like with bright light. It was a very interesting multi-sensory moment. And that's what eventually led me a few years down the road to consider nursing school. And it was while I was a registered oncology nurse, so interesting you know, to learn about modern medicine and to love it um, in many ways as well, that I began to have multi-sensory experiences and began to see energy and chakras and disease and the emotional causes behind them. So I have full sight of the human energy system, if you will. Got it. So uh, take us back to the past now. What was it like growing up in your household? It was kind of, you know, hectic in the way that, that we didn't have a lot of rules. You know, mm -hmm. so much freedom, in my opinion. I raised my children very differently. But with the one of the things I loved about my childhood is we had choice. We had freedom. No one ever said you couldn't do this. You couldn't become that or there were no rules to follow, which, you know, didn't always come out with good outcomes for my siblings and myself. But it was something that I maintained with my children. Uh, my children only went to church once, even though their father is Muslim and I was baptized Catholic, but I didn't attend church after the age of seven. Um, we gave them choices. You know, we wanted them to believe what they wanted to believe. And, uh, and I think that served them extremely well so that they could determine what's in their best interest, what lights their soul on fire. And um, yeah. Got it. Yeah, it's so important to have choices as you grow up, right? Have the option to explore and be curious and to discover what the universe is really made of and how things operate. Like in my household, my mom is Christian, mm -hmm. my dad is a Hindu. And later on, I was really fascinated by Buddhism. So I took some time to learn about Buddhism. And now, you know, I'm always looking for different ways and, uh, you know, m mindsets to look at how the universe is operating, even quantum physics, right? So it's always right. fascinating for an individual, no matter what his or her age is, to have that curiosity mindset 
right. tap into the unknown. So thanks a lot for sharing that oh, with us. Of and- course, of course. Yeah, yeah. I always think of spirituality as like a, a beautiful quilt and you take pieces, you know, hopefully your history that you can still value and appreciate because there's wealth within that too. And then your own consciousness that you, you know, have de- devoted and developed, but also truth changes over time as our consciousness expands, we see things differently and we perceive the world differently. So you always have to have room in that quilt, you know, so that it truly touches the divinity of your soul. So how did you discover energy medicine? Where were you and and what were you doing? I was actually working in a hospital. So I was mm. I was a charge nurse on the oncology floor in a Seattle area hospital. And all of a sudden, I, and I know all of a sudden, because this happened in the late 90s. And then I started my practice actually in 2000. I've been full time since then and um, in energy medicine. So I my patient's body started to speak to me. So here's an example. I would be at a patient's bedside and I would maybe be changing an IV or removing sutures or whatever was required of me. And I had, I would be having moments where all of a sudden the blanket would start to kind of glow and from my mm. physical eyes and it would catch my attention and my eyes would gaze at the blanket more. And then all of a sudden I would be in the patient's body and then I would be in one of their organs like their liver, and then their liver would be talking to me. And of course, we were giving them very strong medicine that their body didn't like, right? Mm-hmm. So, so as I would be listening to their internal organ communicating to me, I could also see the emotional component behind um, what was happening to their liver. So this happened to me very quickly. I, luckily, I was raised in such a free environment that I didn't get scared. I didn't think mm-hmm. I was crazy. I was actually totally enjoying it. I didn't tell anybody for a little while, actually. And then I finally told my nurse supervisor because I was kind of nervous that if someone were to code on our floor, which uh, our patients were very ill, that I would be looking at their internal organs or listening to an experience in their childhood that had created a lot of resistance in their energy system that wanted to leave. I think what happened is that I think I just naturally unbeknownst to me. I didn't realize how intuitive and how aware I am about the physical form and health and wellness. And in that setting, I think a big part of me opened up mm-hmm. and um, and I began to see more authentically who I am. So I actually told my nurse supervisor mm-hmm. uh, what was going on with me. And I thought she was going to suspend me and order a psyche valve. I really thought she was going to do that. But you know, when you step into your authenticity, the universe right there with you. And she said, you're seeing energy. And I want you to start laying hands on our patients. And so I trained myself at the hospital and learned what I do today, originally from that experience. Great. So for people who are listening or maybe watching, what branch of medicine is oncology? Oh, it's cancer. So I worked with cancer patients. And I think being in a a part of the hospital where there is a lot of transformation happening, whether people are leaving this world or they're changing their life significantly. Because when people heal from really challenging diseases uh, and, and the healing in terms of staying in a physical form, because there's many ways people can heal, of course, mm. is that they have to, tra- they transform their life. Like they really make huge gigantic changes. So I think being in that environment um, is what also propelled me to. Uh, kind of have my own personal awakening amongst the rest of the awakening people. <laughs> got it, got it. That's amazing. I mean, it's great that you were in that uh, situation and in that place where people were in this phase of transition. And when somebody receives a diagnosis for cancer, 
can be a very traumatic, knee-jerking, and emotional experience, right? Because you're faced with terminal illness. And in such a situation, it's not just the physical, but it's a lot of emotional and mental as well, right? So I can imagine you being in that situation and being of support and hope for those people who in many cases have none. But looking back uh, at your mystical experiences, the paranormal experiences that you had, what do you make of it? Was it because of, you know, certain things that you did as a child, as a kid? Maybe your mom taught you certain meditations or certain practices. What do you make of it? Such a good question. I remember having this same type of conversation with my mother when it wasn't, it wasn't a one-time experience. It wasn't going away. It was escalating in terms of what I hear, see, and feel. And it was happening all the time for me. Um, I even began to see people who have passed over. So I'm also a medium, something I also didn't imagine what was going to happen. And my mother said to me, you know, uh, when I was uh, having this conversation with her in the kitchen uh, years ago, um, she said, well, you know, you're just like your great grandmother. I go, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And my great grandmother was a Cherokee Indian and she was a healer. Um, She lived, uh, of course, on my family, got to know her after she had children. She lived off reservation and people in Oklahoma and people would um, come to her home where she lived with her husband, who was a French man. He had in, in, you know, immigrated to the U.S. and people would come on the weekends and do trade on their farm, like repair fences. And then she would provide healing work. And her cousin worked with her as well. They would do herb packets or lay hands on people. So I, I think it's in my I think the um, some of the abilities I have come down my generational line, but I've mm-hmm. trained I've trained a lot of people and I've worked with a lot of people and I believe everyone is naturally intuitive. I believe everyone, at least for the very least, for themselves. And then I think some people, um, because they want to and it brings them great joy, they can use their intuitive abilities to help others if that's something that is fulfilling for them and if it brings them great happiness. Got it. Got it. So how did you come across the knowledge of the chakras then? When did that happen? Yeah, while I was in the hospital. Actually, I had never studied energy medicine. Oddly Mm. enough, I'd read Seth Speaks when I was like quite young. I read the teachings of the Masters of the Far East. I read a lot of other books and spiritual books that were around my home. Um, And I I followed what my nurse supervisor had recommended. I went and laid hands on a, a patient in the hospital. And I remember being really nervous which is so mm. odd. I, I touched thousands of people, you know, mostly with my stethoscope, <laughs> but I had mm. thousands of people. And I went into a room of a patient who um, she had been transferred from the surgical floor to our floor for overflow. And she was, should have gone home days earlier, but she wasn't feeling well. She had a lot of pain. And um, so I went into the room and asked her if I could lay hands on her. And I remember she first looked at me like, okay, what do you, what are you really here for? You know, like, are you going to prod me with something? And, and then when I mentioned the term lay hands, she said, oh yeah. And so I closed the door, hoping nobody would come in and ask me what I was doing. Cause I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And when I laid hands on her, um, I began to hear this high pitched kind of harmonic harp sound. It was, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if she could hear it or not because I closed my eyes and I started to cry actually right away, like tears just kind of spontaneously went down my face. And I opened up my eyes and looked at her and she was crying too, which was very interesting. And then my eyes, which is really my third eye, but you know, the third eye is in the center of your head. But I, I, I see, of course, you know, I see people and energy as if it's 
life form, like looking at you right now, like I've been in your neck for a little while, actually. Your neck has called me a few times. <laughs> so I've been hanging out in your cervical um, vertebrae. So my hands were on the blanket, but my vision, you know, do dove into her body and I could see organs and blood and tissue. And of course, I studied um, anatomy. So for a long time, I just thought, well, this must be just a part of my logical knowledge. And, and, and so when my hands were on her, all of a sudden, these bright colored orbs started to show up. And they, I first saw the solar plexus, the third yellow chakra first. That was the first one I saw. And then all of a sudden, I saw her seventh chakra. And I literally saw it as a cone. So when I dive into the chakras that start maybe as orbs, um, they turn into cones for me. And there's a front and a back section. And then the chakra started to speak to me. It was very fast. I couldn't even really absorb all the information. And um, after that incredible moment on my way home from work, I stopped at a local spiritual bookstore and mm -hmm. bought a book that had a picture in it exactly what I had seen. So um, that was my first experience with chakras, a knowing experience with it, a visual experience. Got it, got it. That's wonderful. Uh, it's fascinating that as you were working on uh, that patient, you were able to see the, the balls of light, which then turned into cones. And then you realized after the visit to the bookstore that indeed those were uh, chakras. Now, since you are a former nurse, what are your thoughts on chemotherapy? Yeah, it's a really good question. I would say 60% of the patients that I see are very ill fr from cancer to all kinds of diseases. And then 40% don't have health issues at all. Um, or just, you know, general aches and pains and things of that nature. It, I, I'm not a fan of chemotherapy, actually. You know, uh, I, I think that we're smarter and that we have more awareness and wisdom. But interesting enough, there are times when I work with a patient and I actually recommend that they do their chemo. And it, it's not often. Most of the time I recommend that people don't do chemo. Not everybody follows my recommendations, though, because um, I can see what would work for them. I can see but there are a percentage of individuals who come to see me who aren't that very aware and have a lot of repressed emotions in their body. Their, their energy vibration is so low and they won't go see a therapist. They don't want to talk about it. They don't think that anything's wrong. And so those are the few individuals that I do think if they do receive chemotherapy, they could give them more time mm -hmm. to perhaps, you know, and, and I recommend, you know, kind of like satellite cancer centers that combine naturopathic medicine and give lower doses of chemotherapy. Um, but for those people who have followed my recommendation and not received chemo, um, they have healed extraordinarily well. And I'm very proud of them because I always think that people heal themselves, regardless of what I do. I believe mm -hmm. people are their own best healer. And so I'm very proud of the consciousness that they expand into their awareness and that and that they listen to their own body and follow the recommendations of their cells and their DNA that it has optimal wisdom and, and extraordinary healing powers. Yes, absolutely. That's uh, what I'm really fascinated about is the healing powers that we possess within ourselves as soon as we change our lifestyle, our mindset, and maybe our actions too. I recently interviewed somebody about cancer. She had gone through cancer and what she told me that instead of doing the whole chemo, she did a localized form of chemo, right. which sort of worked for her. Yeah, but the truth is that chemo does affect a person in so many ways, right? I mean, your 
hair, hair falls off and right. I guess your yeah. overall immunity goes down and yeah. you end up being susceptible to other forms of issues. So yeah, I've always had this question at the back of my mind is, is it really needed? And what other routes are there that somebody can follow? Because I understand that it can be a very emotional situation to be in. And if you make the wrong decision, then your friends and family might say that you should have gone for the chemo. Why didn't you go for the chemo? Yeah. You know, one of the things I've learned in my practice is to support my clients and their choices. And mm-hmm. and that was really hard in the beginning. You know, if someone was going to choose, because there's other drugs that repress your immune system that aren't related to cancer, like for rheumatoid arthritis or MS, you know, there's a lot of drugs that because in modern medicine, they don't really understand how the immune system works. And so they believe in repressing it. And, and it's, in a very few cases, that could work. That somehow jumpstarts someone's immune system, interesting enough. But in most cases, it doesn't work very well. And, but, but vibration is actually even more powerful than conventional medicine. So if I hold the vibration for a client who is deciding to do full chemo, you know, because people get scared. They get really scared. Mm-hmm. And, and even though I don't think personally I would take chemo, I don't know what I would do if I were in that position of, you know, I can't say for sure what I would do, right? Because we don't always know for sure what we would do if we were all of a sudden diagnosed with something and, and we don't know exactly what our higher self would recommend for us as well. So mm-hmm. holding the vibration and the frequency of complete and total health, one of the things it does right away is it helps with the symptoms of chemotherapy. It helps um, patients stop the chemo when they think they're done, which I think is really extraordinary. Um, So frequency and vibration even has power over modern medicine, which is amazing so that when my clients do choose their conventional treatment, I can help them successfully navigate through those choices um, and honoring their wishes and supporting their body at the highest level possible, regardless of what they do. Got it. And so... I know that a while back you've alluded to certain mystical paranormal experiences that you've experienced in the past. Till date, what has been the craziest uh, psychic moment that you've experienced? Something that maybe you couldn't explain back then. Maybe you can't explain even right now, but is there something like that? I've had so many, (laughs) really, every day. You know, well, first I talk to, uh, I'm just going to use this so we can identify who I'm talking about, but I talk to dead people every single day. So being a medium is certainly something that I didn't plan for. I didn't plan for any of this, by the way, you know, I, yeah. right. Like even becoming a nurse, I think I wanted to be more normal than my family. You know? <laughs> and then here I turn out to be so abnormal. Um, mm. I, I, I always feel like there is an explanation for it. So that's why it's hard for me to choose an, an exact story, but I will, def- I'm thinking of stories right now. Um, I I think that the reason why, because everything's energy, everything in the universe is energy. And I think one of the things that human beings are doing is we're ramping up our vibration, as you so eloquently talked about in the beginning of the broadcast. And when Mm. we do that, the subtleness of our being begins to see things from a multisensory experience. We begin to Mm. see things beyond the beyond. But the one story that comes to mind was my first experience as a medium. So Mm. I was in the hospital, still working. Yeah. Um, and uh, a um, the I was very fortunate. I, not only was I supported by my supervisor, but physicians sometimes would order me to lay hands on their patients. And um, sometimes they would come up to me. And they, they didn't want to know what I was doing, you know. Mm. But, but they would go, "Hey, could you go do that thing that you do to Mrs. Johnson?" 
because one of the things I noticed right away is at the very least it would reduce pain and patients would sleep better and then, you know, they could recover more fully. So um, in the moments when I would say to the physician, I can't because I was a charge nurse, sometimes I'd have four pagers on my belt, right? And I don't have time, you know? Mm. I had started a small practice in my home and people were kind of just showing up at my door. Um, So that's when they would order me. They would go, okay, you're going to go do therapeutic touch. And once they wrote an order, I would have to follow it because it was under my license, right? Yeah. Um, So here I am very busy on the floor and um, I'm walking down the floor taking care of other nurses because that was my primary job. And I look up and I see this cobalt blue kind of bundle of fluff. And I can see with my eyes open or closed. Um, Floating above me, maybe <laughs> above my above the hallway, and I look up at it, and a woman's face, kind of contorted, maybe somewhat elderly, kind of comes through the cobalt blue, um, you know, color, and tells me that she wants me to go see her son. So mm-hmm. when you with the multisensory world, it's a it's a mental telepathic communication. So it, it's from like brain to brain. If you're practicing this and you want to work in your multisensory ability, which I highly recommend everyone does, I think it makes your life so much more fun and interesting and delicious, you know, try to speak out loud through your mouth at first until you can really calm down your brain unless you're great at meditation and you know how to get out of the gorgeous brain and be in the present moment. Um, So she communicated to me and I didn't know where her son was. And I was really busy that day. So I said to her, I'm in in my mind, I mentally communicated with her. I'm sorry, I can't. And every time I would walk that hallway, she would kind of yell at me a little bit. And and I didn't even know for sure if she was the mother of someone, but that was the sense I had. I just had this motherly, delicious, warm sense. And that, Mm. you know, uh, so finally towards the end of the shift, she wore me down and, um, and as I passed her for the final time, one of the doorways in that particular hallway, you know, lit up, which is kind of a thing for me. Things highlight, which is kind of an invitation for me to move into the, that part of someone's mm-hmm. body, or there's more information for me there. So I asked the nurse that was taking care of this patient, because everyone on the floor knew then at that point that I laid hands on people, I told them things, you know, <laughs> I saw things, you know, and... Um, I said, do you mind if I go talk to your patient? And she said, no, that's fine. So I, I went in the room and introduced myself. And I asked him, there was a young man laying in the bed who was in, like in his maybe late 30s, early 40s. And I asked him if his mother had passed away. And he said, yes. And I said, would you consider her loud and demanding? And he and the woman that was sitting next to him, a, a young woman, just burst out laughing. And he, then mm-hmm. he introduced me to his sister. And I said, well, she's been yelling at me all day to come in here and lay hands on you. And when I did, I could hear her voice, his mother's voice, and she was telling me to tell her son that he had, uh, that he was going home. He was afraid he wasn't going to go home, that he was going to, like, stay in the hospital. Um, And she knew he was going to go home, and she wanted me to tell him. So I told him that you are going to go home. You're not going to stay here. Mm. And um, so that was my very first experience as a medium, but every single day, a lot of times what happens before people come to my house, because I see people in my home, and then I do Zoom sessions, you know, around the world. Um, I The dead person will actually be in my house helping me wash dishes or fold laundry. And I don't know who they are. I prefer to know nothing about a client before I see them. I prefer to go in cold so that my mm. mind doesn't 
know anything about their history or their diagnosis or their life, their life purpose. Because some people come to see me to get ideas about love and life purpose and all of that. Um, and then when I open up the door to say hi to the person who's come to see me, the person who is helping me fold laundry or wash dishes is standing right next to them you know, and lets me know that they are their father or their brother or their best friend or somebody who passed away. Got it. That's so interesting. Thanks a lot for sharing. And I also have found that, you know, energy healing or laying of the hands on somebody's body can be incredibly relaxing for the other person, irrespective of whether they believe in energy healing or not. I still remember a few years back, there was this family friend who was sort of coughing and having chest issues in the neck, you know, sort of the chest, uh, upper chest area. And so I offered to do some energy healing. And then within a few minutes, she felt a sense of release and she could not explain before that. And uh, it continued, it persisted, that sense of relaxation, that disappearance of the pain for the next few months. And what I do notice also is the, although the result is the same, they feel a sense of release or they feel better later on. If a person does any form of yoga or energy healing or some kind of psychic ability to activate their energies, while I'm doing the energy healing, they feel the subtle energy shift within as well. Uh, because I guess they have activated their subtle energies. Whereas if a person does not, you know, has not activated their subtle energies, maybe they don't feel it that much, but the vibrations are definitely going in. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a prayer that I've been saying for years that may those who I can easily help find me. And so most of the people I see are aware or conscious or have yeah. Yeah. right. But I do see some people who aren't. And and it's so funny how I can see like this energy is rapidly moving through their body, rapidly, rapidly, yeah, rapidly, exactly. right? And they yeah. can't feel a thing. They no. have no idea what I'm talking about. One yeah. of the things that I've been working on a lot with my clients um, is having them rest in the abdominal area. And I noticed one of the things that you love to talk with your clients too about is Kundalini. And Kundalini mm. is so powerful. You know, it's, it doesn't, from my perception, it doesn't come from earth. It comes from a, another time-space reality. And it evokes joy and passion, of course. Um, but when people kind of open up their kundalini in their lower abdominal area, because I think it originates when it hits the human form in the second chakra, that helps them to be more subtly aware. So I, I take clients through not necessarily a meditation, but kind of a meditation while they're laying on the table to rest in their abdomen. And I teach them how to get out of their brain and not to think you know, and, and then I teach them this technique so that they can do it throughout the day because you're so right. Energy medicine is so profound and so effective. It doesn't stop when you stop laying hands on someone. It just keeps going and going and going and people keep unraveling and changing their perception and their awareness, and their consciousness and having profound experiences, mm -hmm. you know, weeks after they leave a session It's and longer. It's amazing. It's, it's, so beautiful. It makes me so happy. Great. Now, as you might agree that the experiences that we've had from the past, especially negative ones or traumas that we've experienced, they have an effect, an effect on us in the current space and time, right? So how does somebody through their chakras or maybe through some other part of their energy body identify these old traumas or these stuck negative energies that are collected over the years? And how does one go about uh, sort of clearing them or, or releasing them? Such a great question. And there's just so many ways to approach that question, right? Which is great. 
Like yeah. there's so many. Um, yeah. One of the things I love, I'm a huge fan of curious, positive, what if questions. Cause I, re- I believe the mind is powerful, but most humans use mm-hmm. their brains so inappropriately, you know, we're analyzing the past and the future constantly, which is not what the brain was created to do. It was created to be present so that I followed all of your great instructions so that you and I can have a great conversation uh, instead of being in my head, processing and analyzing my life after our interview or something that happened last week. Right. So Mm. um, I think one of the first things that if people can start doing, because humans are constantly asking themselves negative, what if questions all day long? What if this doesn't work out? What if I don't get better? What if I don't, what if my third eye doesn't open up? What if I never feel Kundalini? What if I don't get happy? What if I don't meet the love of my life? I mean, it's just Mm. constant. What if I don't find my life purpose? And what if they were to change those what if questions, they're going to start to shift their vibration very, very quickly because everything's about frequency, right? So what if I'm on the right path? What if I love myself beyond anything I could imagine? What if my body is healing with every breath I take? What if I'm surrounded by amazing like-minded people who support me with joy and passion? So I think, first of all, if we can start to interrupt the negative thoughts that we have in our mind, then we can actually start to rest in the body. And a lot of times trauma is screaming out to humans all day long, right? It's like, come over here. <laughs> you know? mm. So if you have a little side ache or your feet are talking to you, like they feel warm all of a sudden, if you could go down and just connect with it, in other words, creatively visualize that, that you're allowing your energy and you can make it look like whatever you want if you're highly visual, or you can make it sound like whatever you want if you're highly auditory, or you can make it feel like whatever you want, but yeah. maybe you just connect with your feet because they feel warm. And because mm. the feet are governed by the root chakra and childhood traumas are primarily held in the root chakra, which also affects the bone marrow and all of the bones in the body and all of the properties in the blood. Just hanging out in your feet, you know, and being present with yourself could remove remove huge amounts of stagnant energy and past life, you know, traumas and current life traumas. So I think if we can quiet our mind and sit within ourselves with no judgment or expectation, Mm. um, that magic can happen. Great. I love that. What if question? What if it were not that way? What if that was not a mistake? What if? Uh, that was not a waste of time. These are really empowering questions to think about, right? And so uh, instead of having a negative what if, which the human mind is so prone to doing, consider a positive what if that can really transform your life. Now, another thing that I like and I found recently was to think about, I remember when. So, you know, I remember when automatically puts you in a position of the future, a a state or place where you're no longer in that negative phase, but your life has changed now. So you can say, I remember when I had financial challenges, but I'm so grateful that things are so different right now. I remember when I had that, you know, health challenge or that stress symptoms that because of my job or whatever, but now things are different and I'm so grateful for that. Right. So I remember when is also something that I'm trying to apply more from time to time these days, but it's, I found it to be really useful. Thanks a lot for sharing that with us. Uh, now let's talk about anxiety because it seems like almost everyone around seems yeah. to be facing some form of anxiety or the other, or maybe even stress. And the uh, you know go-to for most of the, I guess, uh, modern practitioners is medicines, right? 
Mm-hmm. And you see that on television also. Doing, in news channels, right after the news channel. I know. You got a drug commercial and it seems like they've got no standards left, right? They, it's yeah. it's out in the open. I'm, we're going to promote uh, all these different types of drugs, which aren't really good for you. They've got so many side effects. You know what I love, just, AJ, though? I just right? love they say the side effects, you know. As a nurse, we had to look at yeah. Within like yeah. one second, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, like almost always mentioned and like, okay, hopefully that made so that nobody takes that drug, be, you know, because mm. of that. Um, but I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, just like you pointed out, right? They mentioned the side effects and as an awakened being, I mean, I don't want my ego to surface up, but I would consider myself a little bit, a little awakened, right? Uh, just more aware compared to what I was before. But even when you step into a shop, sometimes, you know, people are buying cigarettes and you see it clearly. Cigarettes can give you cancer, which can kill you, but they still buy the cigarettes. So how does someone, so from the viewpoint of spirituality, from the viewpoint of our energy, what is anxiety? Have you you thought about this? Oh, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to approach this to you and your audience, because again, there's so many ways that you can approach from an energetic perspective. And that's why energy medicine can be so tailored towards the individual, Mm. right? Just even if you're laying hands on someone and you don't know what you're doing, your energy coming together will tailor what that person needs. I think, of course, yourself included, and a large part of your audience is very, very empathetic, hugely empathetic. So when I look at the chakra system, when someone's not empathetic, which means to me they're a younger soul, and there's creation, God, source, the universe, goddesses, um, all beings are adored and loved and cherished in every moment, right? And for those of us who perhaps are a little bit older in our soul age, we've just been around longer. You know, that's all that it means. Our soul emerged into consciousness maybe a few hundred thousand years, you know, before another soul, let's just say, right? But And, the, and souls are being born all the time. And, and when I look at it, it's just more energy emerging out of the larger energy source. That's mm-hmm. how I So empathic people, um, as they evolve, their heart chakra gets bigger. And, and, you know, like you have a ginormous heart chakra. It fills your entire chest cavity. And people who are highly empathetic have that. And it means that they're very sensitive. They know how to feel the suffering of humanity. And and they know how to do this because they've lived through, you know, thousands of years of life experiences on every part of a position from being a person who has created a crime to someone who's been a victim to, you know, they've seen and heard everything. And that's what gives them compassion. And and that's why empathic people, when we find out that a criminal is going to jail, a, a real criminal who needs perhaps to go to jail, we hope that they get organic food and we hope they get therapy while they're in jail. You know, we, we wish them to be safe and to be well taken care of. We wish that for everyone and empathic mm. people do. So empathic people, this is where I think the confusion comes from. And, and what I am about to say may not sound very spiritual, <laughs> mm. um, but empathic people spend so much time in their heart chakra trying to be better people, trying to be more compassionate, trying to take care of everyone. And that's why when you walk in a store and you see the warning sign of tar and nicotine, you immediately worry about the individuals who are buying those cigarettes or the people who are around the secondhand smoke. And, and then you may become annoyed by the tobacco industry and, you know, the laws that support whatever country we live in, that support drug companies and, you know, industries that are not really working for the health and well-being of innocent, beautiful, incredible souls, right? So, so 
the in it so what happens is empathic people then go in their heart chakra and they feel you know all of what i just talked about and probably so much more <laughs> depending on the mm-hmm. individual and it actually in my opinion that's where anxiety comes from and it and what we're talking about in the population of people that i'm talking about and and the people who listen to your show that's a big part of anxiety the heart chakra because every single one of the primary chakras because there's over three thousand minor chakras in the body too they make up the meridian lines and the acupressure points but the primary chakras each of them from my perception has an emotional component and, and really in energy medicine what we're doing in my opinion is we're balancing that emotional component we're helping that person be in alignment with that emotional component because the emotions are the most important thing so the heart chakra is about universal love and universal love is neutral. So the universe, even when it looks down at earth, a contractual time-space reality created to be contractual from my perception, the universe doesn't go, oh my gosh, look what's happening over here in this part of the world. And, oh my gosh, I can't believe what's happening over there. The universe actually says, from my perception, oh wow, look at all these incredible opportunities for transformation. Because most souls who come to earth to reincarnate, because it's a choice, you know, we have free will, um, they come here because they know that having contractual experiences could help them to speed up their awareness of their consciousness. Not that it necessarily will, but it's an opportunity. And so if humans, especially beautiful, empathic, you know, kind, caring beings would stop worrying about everybody and, and allow their heart chakra to become more neutral, then that would really help their adrenal glands. You know, because the adrenal glands are part of that fight or flight. They're on top of your kidneys. And as soon as you start worrying about humanity, which you have every right to, I mean, logically, it makes total sense. But from an energetic perspective, it lowers frequency. It lowers vibration. It doesn't actually help other people. And it definitely doesn't help us. And for all of the empathic people who want to be of help to themselves and others, they need to be in high vibration. They need to be in their alignment, right, to their higher self. So... What I do when I have those moments, because I still have those moments. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, it took me a while after the, you know, the more most recent American election. It took me a while to calm down. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I can get to that place where I can calm down, I ask the universe. I always say, please show me the beauty in this situation. Mm. I always ask that. But I have to be in a place where I can ask the question. Mm. That takes me a while. Yeah. And but then when I ask the question, I see so much beauty. I see so much potential. I see my role in it too, because I believe that empathic people or older souls, however you want to look at it, their job is not to work on becoming more compassionate for others. Mm. They have this down pack. I believe that their job is to learn to become more compassionate for themselves. And they need to learn to surrender and get out of the way. For younger souls, their job is to learn to, their job is to have, to develop more compassion. That's just my personal take on it. So hopefully that will help reduce some anxiety for some individuals. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure people listening to this right now have a different take on the anxiety symptoms that they are experiencing. Uh, and we'll be able to think slightly differently the next time they face such an experience. So Marie, I know we spoke about Kundalini for a bit. So what according to you is Kundalini and how does one activate some of that energy? I know that it is not recommended to fully activate your kundalini almost immediately, depending on the person, of course, whether they can handle that surge of energy. But through practices, through meditations, through different work, you can 
begin to activate that energy. So you can talk to us firstly about Kundalini. What exactly is the Kundalini energy? I know you spoke a bit about it. Yeah. But in 2020, what does Kundalini mean? And how does one activate some of that energy? Well, I, I, I find it very interesting what you said about, you know, to be cautious about Kundalini. And I've read about, mm. it's not my personal experience, but I have had clients come to me who had instantaneous full-on kundalini experiences and they can't stop moving their bodies like they're shaking all the time they're trembling they can't they have a hard time going to work so i actually help them integrate into kundalini so i think that in those instances when it happens and of course i haven't interviewed everyone on this subject it it's like not something that they knew was going to happen like you know, they're meditating someplace. They're in a large group, maybe even at a yoga festival, you know, because when you're with hundreds of people and you're all meditating together, wow, that is profound energy. So I think in most of the cases when people have a spontaneous, huge movement in their energy, they weren't even trying to have it. That's what I think. But for for everyone else who's working on it, I think, first of all, they need to let go of the fear of what we just described happening, because I think a lot of people slow down Kundalini. Kundalini, um, from what I said before, it comes from a different time-space reality. It's really about letting go and getting out of the way. When I am working on a client and they have healthy Kundalini energy, which is rare, I always see a metaphor, dancing in their second chakra. I see the famous American um, concert Woodstock that Mm -hmm. happened, I think, in the 60s. Um, you know, and it was like a, a, a week long concert where thousands, hundreds of thousands of people landed in New York and from Jim, Jimi Hendrix to all kinds of other famous musicians played even for free. <laughs> there was no food. People were, you know, I mean, people were taking drugs and all kinds of those things too, and having indiscriminate sex. So you don't have to take drugs or have indiscriminate sex, but you have to get out of the way to let Kundalini mm-hmm. You have to allow yourself to have freedom because when Kundalini is activated in your body, you get to see life and experience life through pure passion. And I can't speak for everyone, but Americans, we're kind of contracted in our pelvic cavity, you know. And and when you have Kundalini rising in your body, when you look at a beautiful tree, you can even have almost like an orgasmic sensation. Not that you Mm. have screaming at the top of your lungs or anything like that. But you stop preventing energy flowing in all of the aspects of your body. Uh, And it activates psychic abilities. So when I see Kundalini, along with the Woodstock impression, which is a metaphor to me that this person is comfortable with feeling joy. They're comfortable with being free. They are afraid to make a, a mistake. They trust themselves. They trust their alignment to the divine. So, but you don't have to be in that full concept to have Kundalini moving in your body. And so when people start to move Kundalini, I will see um, the affinity sign like an electric blue running up their spine. Mm. It goes all the way through their spine and then it enters the back of the, their third eye at the occiput and moves into their brain and starts to activate all their hormones and their psychic abilities. So I think it's a highly necessary, important aspect of development, especially for healers. Because the energy is so strong, because healing energy is supposed to feed the healer first and foremost. Right. Yeah. So if you're in that freedom to receive, then you would also take in Kundalini. So those are my thoughts on the subject, actually. 
So more second chakra exercises to open the pelvic uh, area and uh, sort of move the hips. Yeah. One of my favorites is to take a yoga block and yeah. lay on the floor, knees up, lift up your, your back, but put the block on the back of the pelvis, not your lower spine. And just let your pelvis relax like 15 mm. minutes. And at the same time, sit, take your awareness down to that second chakra and hang out there. Um, I think that could really, really help. But you could even just say, what if I allow Kundalini to move in a healthy and positive way in my body with, with every you know, breath I take? What if I easily allow my being to expand in Kundalini? What if I allow consciousness and, and psychic abilities to be a normal aspect of my divine experience here on Earth? I just think we can always make fun, beautiful what-if questions all day long. That's wonderful. Thanks a lot for sharing that exercise with us. And I'm sure that listeners who are listening right now will at least try this out by using that block to relax the pelvic area, right? Not the lower spine, but the area right. above that, right? So, so right. the second chakra region. And it feels relaxing. I know I did it a while back, but I think I need to do it some more to release some of my kundalini energy. Yeah, so, I do it every day. I do that exercise every day. You do that every day? Yeah, every day. Yeah, it's just kind of part of my meditation practice that I get out of my head, I relax, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I do it every day. Wonderful. So what are your thoughts on breath work? Do you do, you do breath work? And, uh, you know, just what have you found if you do it? And if you don't, that's fine. <laughs> oh, sure. I, I don't think I, well, I've never studied it formally, but when I'm, okay. in, when I'm in an energy session, which for me is five days a week, you know, I have a yeah. practice. I yeah. do a lot of breathing. Breathing, yeah. A lot. Um, so, and, and I remember once this one person said to me, I don't think that's healthy. And I go, I think it is. I think that's what my body wants to do. It wants to do all kinds of interesting breath work while I'm actually in it. I also do toning when I work with clients because, you know, it's a vibration, yeah. you know, so I don't use toning forks, but I use my own voice. And so I mm. tone a lot on individuals while I'm working on them. And so that's kind of a breath as well. That requires me to inhale, be present. It also helps me to get out of my mind as I'm making the sound. Mm. I'm thinking, you know, because at times I can get worried or concerned and I don't want to be in that vibration when I'm working with someone. I don't want any of that to be, to move into their energy system. I want them to be in the highest frequency possible for their own health and well-being and their own happiness, of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We have a program in our community called Chakra Sprint. And in that we, we do start, uh, chakra tones for each of the chakras. Lum, bum, rum. And uh, everyone loves it because you don't need any external devices no. or instruments, right? And, and just the combination of visualization with the tones, maybe with some essential oils, really helps you charge up. It's amazing. Oh, so so this is kind of answering an old question that you asked me. Do you mind if I answer it now? Oh, yeah, sure. Okay, because you said, what's the weirdest psychic thing that ever happened to you? Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And, and, And this is what happened when I started to tone, which is probably about 12 years ago or so, um, a lot of the, the way I learn is beings from other time space realities come to my office and teach me things while I'm working. And, um, a woman walked into my office in the, in the non-physical sense. And I, I'm a, a little bit older, quite a bit older probably than your audience. And so I'll, she looked like something from a television program I used to watch as a child. It, Sally mm. Fields, the actress, was the, 
person in the television show and it was called the flying nun. And it was this mm. woman who wore a white habit and it was really big. And she flew around the city and had all these moral, you know, experiences on television. So this woman who walked into my office appeared like the character in the, she was wearing a white nun's outfit with a huge hat on it's because the other side will work really hard to make you feel comfortable. You know, they, mm. the other side, the universe, consciousness knows our personality, our likes and dislikes, and will work very diligently to make sure that you stay open and you don't resist when things change. So she walked into my office, although she was probably in her eighties, her physical mm. appearance was in her eighties. And she told me that I needed to tone on clients. And she taught me to stick my tongue on the roof of my mouth to activate the Hinyu, which activates the Kundalini and to mm. kind of hum through my sinuses. And I wouldn't do it for a while because I was a little embarrassed. I mean, I always, I thought, okay, I'm already weird enough, you know, and now I'm going to start making these funny sounds. Right. So she yelled at me for weeks until I finally did it. And of course, I'm so grateful that she taught me to do that because I work less, it doesn't take as much energy for me to use vibration. Mm. Um, and it, Clients love it. And I record all my sessions and give my clients the recording. So they listen to the mm. tone even after their session if they want to. Um, so that was one of those kind of weird, crazy, uh, you know, psychic things. She came back two years later into my office and told me, because I used to keep my tongue on the roof of the mouth when I made the toning sound. And now uh, she taught me to drop my tongue, um, you know, throughout the toning to kind of click or make other sounds or just give my tongue freedom. But I haven't seen her since. Wow. That's pretty uh, interesting. Thanks a lot for sharing. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it's just an invitation for our listeners to be open to and receptive to any messages or synchronicities or signs or messages that they might receive from the universe. Because it's 2020. Uh, I feel the energy is very different in this year and this decade. What are your thoughts? What has changed about the overall collective consciousness and the energy in 2020, what's different? Well, I think we're, we're I think we're going to find out very shortly. You know, we have a major eclipse on January 10th. Um, that we're, uh, it's the second of six eclipses that we'll have this year, and then we yeah. have major Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter conjunction okay. right on the 12th of January. So I think mm -hmm. for people who are more conscious, they can sense, you know, the right. expanding and the freedom, and they're worrying less, even though. Nothing has changed, really. You know, if we mm. look at any political stage, nothing has really changed in the logical world. Not really. But for those who are more awake, I think we can feel the change. We can feel the higher frequency. We can feel more people waking up. We can feel more people right. wanting, asking questions from inside versus outside. But I think the external changes that that are going to happen starting this year, um, mm. I think we'll start to really see them like in the first week of February. Um, but I don't think that, you know, they haven't quite exactly happened. So in reality, what's happened is a lot of our younger people are waking up sooner. So mm. that's what's happening, right? So younger people, because younger people, let's say in their late 20s to mid to late 30s, you know, that's the group I'm talking about. They were more conscious to begin with, you know, mm. They were loved more, let's say, than previous generations. Love is a very helpful energy to help someone stay in harmony and balance with themselves and be curious. So they were loved more than yeah. previous generations, right? Which we could say overall, but really they were really loved more. 
And, and so they have been asking themselves questions like, do I like my job? Do I want to work here? Is this making right. They've been asking hard questions that, that like in my grandparents' generation, nobody ever asked, right? Mm. And maybe in my parents, my mother was very unique. She was a, a, a counselor and just retired at 82, you know, and yeah. hasn't been a physician in 50 years. So my mother is yeah. very unique in that way. Um, so our young people are more awake and more curious and want to mm-hmm. be authentically happy. So they are, I believe, pushing the vibration that we're experiencing. And, and it's that vibration that's saying, we can't have this anymore. We can't have that anymore. You know, we, we can't have corruption anymore. We can't have um, unhealthy health care anymore. We can't have these things. So I, mm. I, I think their energy is in a, in a phenomenal alignment with the divine. Yeah. And I think they are running the show, whether they realize it or not. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I've also felt that it has been become acceptable to not pursue a career that you have zero passion in and to uh, pursue something else, no matter what your age is, even if you feel that it's too late, it's not too late because it's the divine progression. But to, you know, take steps, at least in this year, 2020, towards the vocation or the craft or, you know, something that you're really, truly passionate about, even if it at the moment earning you fraction of what your job would earn you as long as you're doing what you're truly meant to do you will find a way in the near future for the universe to provide you abundance of prosperity so that you can express yourself in a greater sense so that's become i think more acceptable which which i think is which is great <laughs> i do too i think it's amazing and i think as a, as you know more established countries let's say they're young mm. people wake up and go have fun and discover what joy feels like and follow their own yellow brick road of passion. We can outsource our work to other people in developing nations who need that kind of work to take care of themselves and their families. You know, that's what we can do, you know, and I I look forward to that. I I think it's, it's all of us taking care of each other and loving each other and wishing the best for, for everyone. So there you action tribe. If you enjoyed this session so far, and if you're listening to this on your iPhone then don't forget to hit the subscribe button because that'll ensure that you do not miss out on any future episodes that we release. Again, we've, we're coming up with super exciting, amazing, powerful episodes in 2020. So don't forget to hit the subscribe button because otherwise you'll feel like we've stopped releasing episodes, right? And I hope you enjoyed today's session in particular and you have some more ideas in terms of your overall energy in terms of kundalini in terms of really letting go of that which no longer serves you and as an action tribe listener i'm sure you have some projects or things that you'd like to do or dreams that you'd like to pursue or something new that you'd like to start if the answer is yes then by all means go ahead and start because if you don't begin right away then you'll probably wait for six months or one year or even five years and live in regret but when you do start taking action and following the plan and doing your duties remember to detach yourself from the outcome and focus on the joy of the process because quite often there are many factors that are beyond our control and that affects the result of the project that you're working on. And depending on the outcome, that could really rob you of your sense of joy and purpose. Instead, fall in love with the work that you're doing, whatever it might be, because by letting go of the need for things to work exactly as you thought they would, you let the universe get into action to bring the things, the people, the experiences and the opportunities to you. And that's probably why it is mentioned in the Bhagavad Gita, you have a right to perform your prescribed duties, but you are not entitled 
to the fruits of your actions. So keep that in mind. And with that, we enter the last round for today, which is the wisdom round. So Marie, four questions. Okay. Rapid, okay. rapid fire round style. So what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received in your life? Uh, uh, to fall in love with myself. Great. And uh, if you could turn back time and spend one hour with somebody, who would it be? Oh my gosh. Um, actually, I would, I would spend more time in a particular experience I had with, um, with Christ, actually. Uh, and it was about 35 years ago. I would definitely go back to that moment and really allow my energy to expand more and spend more time with that, that energy. That's what I would do. Great. What is it one thing you do in the morning or in the evening before you sleep that has improved the quality of your life? I meditate. Um, I meditate in the evening mostly. Uh, so I like to meditate when the world's quiet. Um, and so that definitely, I, I take about 15 minutes. It's all I do. And I'm looking for those moments where I'm really, truly unplugged. And mm -hmm. so I do that in my living room um, every, every evening. I love it. Yeah, it's very fun. And if you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Mm -hmm. oh, oh, one of my favorite, it's a series of books, but you, you can read whatever one you want. It's written by Pat Odegaard, who has passed over. Ram Dass, who recently passed over, wrote the foreword to all of her books. And they're called Emmanuel and Friends. And they're channeled material. So there's incredible chapters like about power or darkness or death. And it's Pat Rodegaard channeling the divine, if you will, and beautiful solutions and answers. It's one of my favorite books to read. I think it's beautiful. A manual in Friends? A manual and Friends. And Friends, sorry. Yeah, okay. yeah. We'll make Pat note Rodegaard. of that. Yeah. So Action Tribe, would you like to receive this book for free? That's right. Audible.com is offering Action Tribe one free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out this new service, which is amazing. I've got loads of books on my phone, which I listen to in transit or when I'm out. Right? You don't have to read a book anymore. And in most cases, the author himself or herself reads out the book to you. Now, I'm not sure if this particular book is available on Audible, but it's worth checking out. If you'd like to claim your free credit, for Audible, go to my7chakras.com forward slash freebook. That's my7chakras.com forward slash freebook. So many of you of our listeners have already claimed your free credits and it's wonderful to be able to, you know, share this word with you. So, Marie, thank you so much for coming on our show and sharing your wisdom about energy medicine and intuition and uh, kundalini and just an invitation for people to awaken to their true abilities and perceptions. Before you go, tell us one thing that you're grateful for and how we can find you online. I'm grateful for my children. I adore them enormously. They continue to bring love and passion and fun in my life. So I'm grateful to them. Um, and you can reach me at energyintuitive.com. And I host a weekly radio show where I answer live questions. So you can listen online or it's actually terrestrial in Seattle. So you can listen on the radio dial as well. But all of that's on my website. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm happy to help in that way whenever possible. Awesome. We'll definitely have the link up in the show notes. Are you on Instagram as well? I am. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So Action Tribe, if you enjoyed this episode, then make sure you take a screenshot of this episode and tag us on Instagram. I'm at my7chakras. Do you remember your Instagram handle? It's Marie Manu Cherry. I, mm, 
There's a link on my website. I, there might be yeah. a dash in there <laughs> that I don't yeah. call, but it's it's on the website and it works. The you know, yeah. Perfect. So tag me on Instagram at my seven chakras. I'll make sure to share this with Marie. Action Tribe, before we end, if you enjoyed today's episode and if you consider yourself an Action Tribe member, then make sure that you check out the Action Tribe Energy Circle because there you will have access to mentors who will provide you training in a variety of topics, including discovering your purpose, activating your intuition, learning about yoga, dissolving your financial blocks, and much more. If you're curious and would like to learn more, then visit my7chakras.com forward slash join us. That's my7chakras.com forward slash join us. And if you have any questions at all about this episode or any episodes in the past, my email is aj at my7chakras.com. That's aj at my7chakras.com. So Marie, thank you so much for coming on our show, talking to us about so many interesting topics, taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you for listening to My 7 Chakras at my7chakras.com. That is my S-E-V-E-N chakras.com.